Now, an inspiring tale about how needlepoint, weaving, music, languages and maths all contributed to the development of computers. I say inspiring because if ever there was a case for backing women's diverse skills and a general education for all people, regardless of gender, then I reckon this is probably it. Ada Lovelace was a 19th century mathematician who helped Charles Babbage develop the ideas behind computer programming decades before computers even existed. A new article on the Conversation and Gizmodo websites argues that Lovelace brought all her various skills to her thinking about programming. That article is by Karina Schloms, who's an Associate Professor of History at Rochester Institute of Technology in the US, and I am delighted to have her on the line from New York State. Hi, Karina. Hi, I'm so pleased to be here. Listen, would you introduce Ada to us? Just a snapshot, if you can, of her early life, which is pretty amazing in itself. Sure, absolutely. She was a celebrity. Uh, she was the daughter of Lord Byron, the, the famous poet. Um, her parents separated um, when she was about a month old. Her mother uh, maintained custody, which was very difficult at a time when women were not even regularly allowed to own property. And so she really uh, grew up with her mother, overseeing her education, not knowing her father. And as she was a teenager, she was introduced to London society and there she entered society as the celebrity daughter of Lord Byron. But at the same time as she's out there being a kind of Instagram girl of the 19th century, she is also learning about maths. She has quite an, an unusual education for that era, as well as needlepoint and music. Here she is being taught to pursue her interest in mathematics. Absolutely. Her mother herself had been taught uh, mathematics and her mother felt that math was objective and that it might counteract the emotionality that she feared was coming down from Ada's uh, father's side. And so she received this very extraordinary education in mathematics for a girl at her time. At the same time, she received the typical, more typical education for a girl of her class and social status, languages, she spoke French, music, she was taught piano, which she was an accomplished singer. She learned embroidery and other needlepoints. So she was really outstanding and combining these different parts of education that not many um, young women or men of her age would have encountered. And she's encountering very interesting people through her weeks in the salon. She's got all kinds of people coming to these gatherings. Um, Charles Darwin, who else was there? Charles Dickens, uh, you name it, she was part of London society. Um, Mary Somerville, the accomplished mathematician who published mathematical textbooks herself. She was introduced to the court of Queen Victoria. So she was part of London society, really. Um, although I would argue that she connected particularly to those who also had an affinity to scientific and particularly mathematic pursuit. Now, she was definitely out of the box, though, when it came to, for example, she did a grand tour of Europe, as so many well-off young people did um, back in the day. Uh, but normally That's they would it. go to galleries and to salons and to courts. But she chose a very different kind of itinerary. 
Absolutely. She did the grand tour of Europe. She also toured British manufacturers. And this we, we can imagine this as she and I believe her mother accompanied her on this tour. We can imagine this as them trying to wrap their minds around these newfangled technologies, industrial technologies, the same way that we nowadays are trying to wrap our minds around chat GPT and how it's going to change our lives and our world and the way we work. In the same manner, they traveled British manufacturers trying to get a grasp of the, the changes in society, in the economy, in the way people worked uh, at their times. So she effectively visits the kind of Silicon Valley equivalent of their era, visiting factories and shop floors and studying these processes. She also, of course, links up with Charles Babbage, which is a key relationship for them both. He'd already worked on one machine, as he described it, and was working toward another. Can you explain to us a bit about his analytical engine? Absolutely. So he had worked on the previous machine, as you uh, described, that difference engine was motivated by Babbage being involved in proofreading the tables for the nautical almanac. And he, he found this a very arduous task and wanted to mechanize it as so many things were mechanized at the time. Can I, can I ask and, you to explain that a, a little more? This, this nautical almanac So this is about mechanising a process in order that you might be able to, through different equations, calculate where you're travelling at sea. Is that right? Correct, correct. These were used to calculate longitude at sea. Uh, Calculating longitude was an enormous problem at the time. It was absolutely detrimental if seafarers could not do that accurately. They might go off course or even it could result in a shipwreck. So it was very important to know the longitude. And the way that the British government supported this was by having nautical tables with the positions of the stars pre-calculated for the next several years. And seafarers could take these nautical almanacs with them and then use them to calculate their position at sea. So it was absolutely imperative that these tables were accurate. As he worked on this difference engine that had just one single purpose to calculate nautical tables, he realized that a machine like the difference engine with some changes could be made to do any kind of calculation. Now he, of course, has to, Babbage has to find funding for all of this Uh, and there was no government funding at that point, at least, for his analytical engine. So he heads off to Italy on a bit of a fundraising tour. What role is Ada playing at that stage? What's this role of consequence for her? Um... She stepped in when he lost government support and felt that she could help 
advocate for his inventions and give them a more visibility, particularly in the learned society, so that hopefully he could regain government support because building these machines was quite an enterprise. Um, so as you mentioned, he had gone to Italy and had he had given talks. Uh, one of the persons in his audience, uh, an Italian mathematician, Mena Bray, he summarized Babbage's description of the analytical engine and published it in French in a Swiss journal. And so Ada Lovelace offered that she would translate this French article into English so that it could be known in Britain and could garner attention in Britain. So really what she is doing is using her language skills, but then it, it appears with encouragement from Babbage, she went beyond just translating this description of the analytical engine. And she actually developed footnotes to further explain and elaborate on the machine. And these notes, seven notes, ended up being twice as long as the original article. And those notes are really what founded her recognition as possibly the first programmer. It's fascinating, isn't it, that she's virtually kind of writing in the margins of someone else's article and overtakes the thinking within it and adds to it and builds a kind of school of thought all at the same time. Uh, absolutely. And not signing those notes because she's a woman. She's not supposed to be publishing. So she signs them with her initials only. Punch cards. We need to know about this before we can move on to the next stage in Ada's extraordinary scientific development. We need to do a quick leap really forward in time to be reminded about the punch cards that were used in the early days of computing. Karina, can you talk us through that? Sure. So punch cards in 20th century computing, punch cards were uh, a mainstay of computing. They were how data was entered into computers and programs were entered into computers. But before we had electronic or mechanical computers in the 20th century, in Ada's time, actually, weavers and others were using similar cards with punched holes to generate mechanical action. So, for example, weavers use these cards with holes in order to direct looms and to allow to automatically weave patterns in looms. This is the point at which we're talking about her developing programming isn't it? In the exactly. sense that it's the, exactly. it's the holes in the punch cards that say where the stitches should be made. And she's wondering exactly. about how you use a process like that to instruct the machine as to what it's required to do. Exactly, exactly. So at this point, she's thinking about, I mean, they're not called computers, but she's thinking about what these engines could do. You know, she, she's talking about the fact that they can't, maybe it's not just about number processing, but you could also use it with music. You could use it with symbols. We knew that she had seen these weaving looms in museums in London. She'd done these tours of industrial processing sites in the UK. So she's fairly well aware of the way that that industrial mechanisation worked. Absolutely, absolutely. And what she really 
she, as well as Babbage, he had actually, um, he had written about manufacturers as well. So he is also one of the ones thinking about industrialization as he conceptualizes this analytical engine and writes about it. He already envisions that it will use these kinds of punched cards that are also used in weaving. And uh, both are familiar with the intricacy that these punch cards allow in weaving. Uh, so one of the objects that Babbage, for example, had on display at his salon that Ada also often attended was a portrait of Jacquard which was woven with 24,000 punch cards. And so he's describing how these kinds of punch cards could be used for the analytical engine as well. Babbage mentions that this portrait used 24,000 punch cards, and he leaves it there. But in her notes, she goes a step further, and she recognizes that weaving, handicrafts, often uses patterns and that in order to effect patterns, to program patterns or to weave in a pattern, we don't have to use 24,000 cards. We can actually reuse cards and run them multiple times in loops. And so she develops this idea of loops of of having decision points to decide whether a loop should run again or whether the program should continue to the next step. So this is really something that she adds in her notes and even suggests that it has been suggested to weavers to use similar mechanisms um, to reduce the number of cards. So I'm now realising that I can blame my poor mathematics on a lack of embroidery being taught to me at an early age. <laughs> because it, the way that you explain it, Karina, so articulately is that she, she was able to transfer these concepts in such a fantastically imaginative way. But in retrospect, it makes a lot of sense. Um, now, of course, there has been, you know, there, there are those who take a sceptical view of Ada Lovelace's role. Some would say that, you know, retrospectively we've mined history to find a success story of a woman achieving great things. Where do you stand on this debate? I'm guessing I know the answer, but but are you are you persuaded by by the investigation, by the evidence that she really is a critical thinker in this field? I, I do think that she is a creative and original thinker. Absolutely. I also believe we can really take her as a model in so many different ways. She, in order to do this work for which we recognize her today, one of my students actually pointed out she could not have done this translation in the first place if she hadn't learned French. She brings in, like at some point she recognizes that this calculator could also process symbols like music, for example. What I just described with the recognition that patterns allow for the reusing of cards, her understanding of math, her ability to translate a formula, a math formula into step-by-step -step instructions for a computer, really a program. Like she put it all together and she was able to do this because of her really, I, I want to say unique um, set of skills that she had gained in her education. 
And so I admire her for that, absolutely. I do also want to really deepen our understanding of her. We have limited knowledge because as historians, looking back to her work, we have her publications and we have her correspondence. Um, but the correspondence has been tightly controlled by her mother, who outlived her and very likely selected what would be preserved for posterity. And so we may never know Ada Lovelace really closely and intimately because of that gap, that historical gap. At the same time, I do believe that we that we should not pigeonhole her. Um, as I said, some of my students have connected to her, bringing all of these different skills together. Other students have related to her growing up with a mother and an absent father because that was their lived reality as well. And they were inspired by her dedication to her work. That's part of what I really want to do to, to make us understand the complexity and the depth of what Ada contributed. Karina, thank you so much for weaving all of that together. It's a very complex tale, but I find it fascinating. So thank you for sharing it with us. A pleasure. Karina Schlams is Associate Professor of History at Rochester Institute of Technology in the US and the author of an article about Ada Lovelace's multiple skills and interests on the Conversation and Gizmodo websites. Of course, on our webpage, we'll put a link to your article, Karina. And also you're writing a history of data entry, so I'm sure L&L would love to get you back again when the time comes to talk about that. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.